You're listening to the Centre Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message recorded live from our Burgess Hill campus. For the last two months or so, we've been looking at the book of Proverbs. And uh, the book of Proverbs, we've learned all sorts of things, haven't we? How many of you actually, today's the 30th, how many of you actually have read through Proverbs? Hello. Come on. That's awesome, guys. Round of applause. All right. Today's our final day. And uh, we've been challenged on these different fronts. And uh, as we've covered these various contents, uh, I believe God's challenged us to, to grow. And sometimes there's topics that we can ignore in Scripture. There are topics that we think, oh, that's not relevant for today. But actually, all of God's Word is useful for teaching, for encouraging, for training in righteousness. It's all there, and it's all important. And sometimes we can focus just on the, the, the New Testament and forget that actually the Old Testament there's, there's, is a rich, vast kind of understanding of what God's heart is that is right there for us to read. And so even though we've not covered the fullness of Proverbs, I want to encourage you to continue to go back to it. Don't ignore it in your Bible reading on a yearly basis, but continue to go back to Proverbs. But before we finish this series, we're going to look at our last service today, our, our last passage of Scripture in Proverbs, which really speaks about passing on to the next generation. All of us represent various generations in this room today. Some of you might be on uh, a, a generation before me. Some of you might be, in essence, a generation behind me. But either way, if we're here and not in the kids' class, we represent a, there's a generation behind us. Correct? We all represent a generation. And uh, Proverbs speaks about passing on. In fact, the whole word, the, the, the whole um, book of Proverbs really is, is a father speaking to a son or has really that essence of passing on knowledge from one to the other. But we have this one verse that is worth reading and worth unpackaging today. And it's Proverbs 22.6. And it says this, Train a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not turn from it. Now, before some of you switch off and think, well, I'm not a parent, and so this message has nothing to do with me, you're wrong. Because this passage was not written to parents. It doesn't say, parents, train a child. It says, just train a child. Full stop. Train a child in the way he should go, or he, she should go, or point a child in the right direction. Now, there's something important, obviously, to parents that uh, have a role. You're, you're with your child 24-7 at the very beginning, and as they grow up, they, 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 you, you, you carry a primary role. But we also represent a, a community or a family. And uh, a child is not raised in isolation with, a, with their, their own family, but a child is raised within a wider context, isn't it? It takes a whole community to raise a child. Correct? Yes. Correct. And especially if a child is to be well-balanced and, and, and mature in all aspects of their life, they need more than just their parents. They need the input of other people in their lives. It's often what happens... Uh, in church or what doesn't happen in church that can influence the decisions of children as to whether they're going to follow Christ in their, their adult years. In fact, actually, the church plays a huge part in, in a, a child growing up and deciding whether they want to serve Jesus themselves. You see, I grew up in a Christian home. 
I had Christian parents. My mom and dad got saved just before I was born. And so I was born into it full stream. My mom and dad were passionate about Jesus, still are. And uh, I grew up in this understanding. Uh, we sat always right where Carol is sitting. Not in this church, obviously. In Canada, uh, I remember sitting. My dad, I was on the end. My dad, and my sister, and then my mom. And we sat second row in. Fronts, kind of right in the front. Every Sunday, morning and evening, every Sunday. We were there. Wooden pews. Remember those? Wooden pews, no cushions. And in our church, we actually, we did Sunday school before the service. So we had Sunday school and then all service. The kids would be in with the adults in the, in the main service. So I remember growing up and for that hour and a half, two hours, I was in sitting beside my dad and I didn't move. I sat there. I listened. I fell asleep. I did whatever, but I certainly didn't mess about. How many of you had those kind of memories growing up? When we were in Ukraine just a few weeks ago, we had this encounter. All the kids were sitting at the front and their service, I don't know how long it was, two, three hours. And then they had Sunday school afterwards. And they, how did these kids sit here this whole time? I mean, I was struggling um, as an adult. But nonetheless, they were there and there was this environment they were growing in. But I remember that as great parents that loved Jesus, I know that there was an influence of, of older people in the church that impacted my life at key moments. In fact, if I were to subtract the church out of my uh, growing up years and just put it with my parents, I don't believe I'd be following Jesus today. The church had an important part to play in my development. Yes, mom and dad displayed Christianity. We did family devotions. We did all that, which I'm going to get to in a minute. But I encountered Jesus, not with my parents, but with my youth group. I encountered Jesus in a space that was separate to mom and dad. There were adults in the church that spoke into my life and challenged something in me that was different from my parents, but drew something out and be helped me to become who I was called to be. I had an encounter with the Lord as a young person in the church, not at home in that sense. And so I want to encourage us as a church family, actually we all have a responsibility to play in training up the next generation. You and I, whether we have kids or not, we have a part to play in raising the next generation. We're called to this task. In fact, we look through the Old Testament and it was very important that the rules and, and the laws would be taught from one generation to the next. And it wasn't just within the family unit. It was within the whole society within the Israelites. They were to teach the next generation. You guys have a baton right now. You're running a race, but you've learned things along your journey that need to be passed on to the next. And you might think, well, I'm not a youth person or a kids person. Do you know what? You can still be the encouragement. You can still set the example. Okay, we're going to get into it. I'm already preaching too far into my message. The first word we see in this passage is train. This is an action word that requires two participants. So obviously we have the person being trained, but we have the calling to be trained, to do the training, right? Train is an action word. If I'm to train you, it's not passive. I'm, I'm having to engage in this process. Not just leave it to the other person to figure it out on their own. Training requires me to step up to the plate and say, okay, I'm a part of this process. I want to train. I want to be part of this. I want to engage. Now, actually, even this word train, we see in, in original language, in Hebrew, actually, there's a tasting. There, there's this, this, uh, this, this experience that the, the kids need to have. It's a lie to think that children or young people can just figure it out on their own. I've come across parents that 
uh, over the years, especially when I was a youth pastor, that said, well, I, I just let my kids figure it out. Unfortunately, the Bible doesn't say that. Children need to be trained. There needs to be in, there needs to be thought process in, in how we instruct because kids are not wired. We are not wired just to follow after Jesus. The enemy is wiring them to follow after him. And the, the world around us is constantly pulling children in a different direction. You just have to, and especially nowadays with social media and with the, with the internet and with all that's out there, speaking a very loud voice, if we think we can leave it to our kids to figure it out on their own, we're deceiving ourselves. And most importantly, we're putting their souls at risk when it's our responsibility to step up and say, it's, it's my role. It's my role as a, as a, as a father. It's my role as a pastor. But if I am before this person in the, and they're coming after me in, in a generation, all of us have a part to play in seeing the young people in this building, in the other rooms right now, follow Jesus. It's on our watch that they would come to know the Lord. And it isn't just for them to figure it out. It's for us. God has created generations for a purpose that we would pass on from one to the other. And so when we look at this word training, I, I believe it has four aspects. Okay, four aspects. The first one is instruction, teaching, giving facts, giving in, in information, explaining the hows and the whys. Again, without information, how do we draw conclusions? There's a, a value in, in teaching. Again, we go to school. We, we see the value of, of education. How is someone going to learn to read and write if they don't go to school? Do they, can children, we look at this honest, look at children around the world who don't have an opportunity to go to school. Do they just learn to read and write on their own? They don't. They have to be taught. How do we expect young people to grow in the knowledge of God if they're never instructed in it? And again, can I just say that that needs to happen both in the church, but can I also say it needs to happen at home? As parents, those of you who are parents or soon to be parents, you have a responsibility to teach and admonish in, in the Word of God. Creating family devotional times. Teaching them uh, around the kitchen table. Often for us as a family, there's we've hit moments and uh, you know there's suddenly a question about something as to why we believe as we believe. Or why are they not allowed to do certain things? And there's an opportunity to teach. Sometimes it's in the car. Sometimes it's, you know, but you better have a reason why. You know, especially if it's a rule. Why? If there's any question, I think we've been asked more as parents in our lives, it's the why question. Why? Especially as they become teenagers. Why? Why? All my friends, I don't know if you heard this statement, but all my friends can do this. Why are you the only parent that doesn't allow me to do this? Well, I'm not everyone else's parent, am I? However, I have a responsibility to you. But this is why. And it's not just because it's religion, it's because this is what the Bible says. This is what God's heart is. And I need to be able to communicate that. As, as a, as a, as a church, we, we should never, um, have a church, especially for children or, or youth that the, Christianity isn't part of it. It's so important that our youth clubs, the kids clubs, that they're, they're learning something. You know, I, I also equally believe that church should never be an optional activity. And to, I just, if I can take, say this with as much love and grace as I, I can muster, is that when kids grow up, they're packing a bag in their lives of what they believe to be important. 
And when they go through the ages, you're packing that bag for them. It's like going on a holiday. You pack what you think is important. You should maybe pack on some change of, of underwear. You should maybe have some socks. You should all have these things. And so that when you board the plane, as you have a valid passport and you get on that plane, <laughs> you check your passport, you, you do all those things. When you get to the destination, you open your bag and you got the things you need for the journey. Now, the thing is that you will pack what's important because you have a limited capacity. Now, as a parent or as a church even, we're packing for them right now. Their bags, what they see is important based upon what we say and what we demonstrate as important. And so if we look at church and engagement with church, it's just this optional thing with nothing else to do on a Sunday. We come to church or, or when everything else is kind of... You know, we're bored. We, we engage in this activity. Then actually they will look at this thing in their bag and actually it's not really important. And if I can fill other things in to this bag in this space, actually that's okay. The problem is, is that when they get older and decisions are being made, that won't be viewed as a priority. And again, I just, I, I've been in church ministry for over 20 years. And in that time, there's a clear divide of, of the young people that grow up and become uh, on fire believers and those that just go off the deep end and the dividing line is the family's priority to be in the house of the Lord. When I was a youth pastor and it would infuriate me a little bit that th- there, there would be individuals that, yeah, when you look through the fullness of time and the time is a funny, th- has a funny way of displaying the whole story, doesn't it? But the families that really prioritized, you know, things like soul survivor and things that, you know, where there were events that really encouraged them and, and spurred them on. Those kids right now are the leadership of the church I was a youth pastor at. But the kids that were disengaged in the whole process, you know what? Those are the kids right now you see on faith. They're not serving Jesus. They're the ones that I get parent. Right this week, I received a, a message from a parent saying, can you please pray for my son who's you know, the enemy's got a hold. You know what? Yeah, but you could have earlier on, much earlier on, pointed the child in the way they should go. I just want to encourage all of us in this room. And I, can I just say this? I, I don't want to be in any way judgmental. And as a family, we all have to make our own decisions. But this is a priority. It should be at least. That we raise, that we train a child in the way should they go. They should not need to figure it out on their own. Are you still loving me? I tell you what, I remember growing up, again, I was, we were at every church meeting there possibly could be at the church. Even when there wasn't a meeting, we were there. And, but I remember never questioning. I never ever remember a statement to my dad or mom saying, do I really have to go? I never remember saying it. Because for me, it was always a given. And I, I never even thought it. You know what I mean? I never thought not to go. And I think, sorry? <laughs> the point is, is that there was something that I saw and something that was demonstrated, which leads me to the next one. So instruction is important. Second thing is example. Children are very perceptive. And sometimes it's not what we say, but what we do that teaches the biggest lesson. And I think, again, when it comes to the church environment, then they come, when, when kids come here on a Sunday, what are they, what are they being taught by what we demonstrate? You know, again, I have memories growing up in church where, actually, I still have a memory. I was learning to play the drums, and I had an older man come up to me and just, 
he just told me how I didn't do a very good job. You know, I play too loud, blah, 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 you know. And I tell you what, I'm now 43 and I still remember that. A lot of things I don't remember of my childhood, but I remember that, that man, I still remember his face. My dad got wind of it and he didn't take that too kindly either. So he, anyways, my dad was a bit feisty in those days. Um, <laughs> he never did it again. What's the point? The point is that we set an example. And as a church family, we need to set an example. If kids are going to grow up, what are they going to learn? Is this just religion or is this a demonstration of real disciples of Jesus? When they're in our worship time, are they seeing people passionate about Jesus? And this is a normal thing to be impassioned with, with love of Christ. So they're seeing a tradition that's lifeless and boring. Why do you think the young people are the first to leave a church when things go wrong? It's because they see it for what it is. You can really demonstrate, you can really see the life of a church based upon the children and the youth especially because they have a decision to make as to whether they like it or not. And they see past the smoke in the screen. They can see the truth. And again, it's not good enough for us to say one thing, teach one thing, but demonstrate something totally different. We have to be in alignment. Our teaching and our example have to be connected. So when someone grows up, they see, actually, this is the way I should go because I was taught it and it was demonstrated to me and I see it. It's clear. That's one thing if I can say about my parents. Mom and dad were the same people Sunday morning at church as they were Monday morning at home or Friday night at home. They were the same people. I never saw mom and dad become super spiritual at church and be something very different at home. The passion they had for God at, at, at church was the same passion that was in our family devotions. And for me, I saw it as authentic. Kids see. I, there was some youth I remember working with in Canada that, that uh, you know, I, I took them out for coffee and they were struggling in their, their walk with God. And, and, and I remember the one boy said, this, the, 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 his dad was one of, uh, was a leader in the church. He says, you don't know my dad. At home, he's mean. At, at home, he, he yells, he does all this stuff. So although we present one thing, all week long, they're seeing something different. And for him, it was unpalatable. This guy has gone from, went from youth club to drugs. He's been in rehab to drugs to rehab. To, I mean, his life has been destroyed because at home he saw something very different. And no matter how much I tried to say, but that's not the way it should be, he saw something being lived out at home that was very different. And it was hard for him not to paint me with the same brush. But what are you like at home? You know, our home life demonstrates something very powerful to children and to youth. Our example backs up the instruction. What is the example we're setting? And again, if young people or children are coming around us at church or even at coffee break or when they're coming, what are, what's the experience they're having with your life? You can say, well, I don't have kids. I'm not a youth leader. Yes, but you are being noticed. Can I say that? Every one of you. Everyone's being noticed. Your generosity, your love, your encouragement. You know what? Some of you people... You've given encouragement to the young people. They love you for it. Can I encourage you? Some of the young people are on the stage. Encourage them what they do. Don't point out their faults. Encourage the good. All right. Third thing. Experience. Children need to be instructed. They need to see examples. But they also need to have their own experience. You and I, we're not here hopefully because 
of simply a tradition, but we've somehow had an experience along the way. And you know what? Kids and young people need to have their own experience with who Jesus is. It's not good enough to just kind of hear about him or be taught about him or be even demonstrate. They need to have their own experience with Jesus. And again, I, I don't want to speak from my own example. I remember having these moments especially my teenage years, where actually the faith of my parents is no longer good enough. And again, any of you who've grown up in the church will know this to be true. It's no longer good enough just to believe because your parents believe, especially when your friends and everyone else is pushing you in a different direction. There's something in you that needs to know in your own knower that this is true. And I remember starting this journey, and, and again, this is where youth group became so important in my life where I had these encounters with God that became undeniable that God was real. It became undeniable. And so I I believe as a church that we need in our children's ministry, in our youth ministry, we need to have points of encounter. I know the children's workers and myself and, and the youth, we, we've, we've talked about this. We've, we've wanted to create space. Not just to hear about the gifts of the Spirit, to move in the gifts of the Spirit. Not just to hear about what it means to experience His love, but to experience His love. To come to that place where I know that my Redeemer lives. I know for myself. Our church needs to be experiential. We need our own encounters. This happens at youth retreats. It happens at camps. It happens at Soul Survivor. It happens in moments where they just meet with God. Without it, without an experience with God, without a genuine encounter with the Lord, at the point that you hit your own decisions to follow Jesus, when you hit the teenage years, when you hit the 17, 18, you're going off to uni, if you've not encountered Jesus, religion in itself will not keep you. It's not enough to not know Jesus. And so even as families, I want to encourage you to create space where you pray together. Pray for your kids that they would know Jesus. That they would know Jesus. The last one is discipline. To be trained requires times of discipline and correction. And how many of you like discipline? Nobody. Great. Kids are in good company. I don't think any of us love discipline. But however, I don't think you can train someone without correcting. We don't always get it right. And if if it's never told when actually that's not on the mark, actually that person's never going to fulfill their destiny, their, their full potential. But discipline actually helps shape character and values. And our character and values will serve us the rest of our lives. I would hope someone in your life has disciplined you at some point. And challenged you and maybe what you did. Because discipline creates healthy boundaries of knowing what's right and wrong. Knowing what they should and shouldn't do. Discipline helps grow us. But there are a few um, things to remember in this. One is that discipline only ever works if it's in love. Discipline on its own is just rules and regulations. But when there's love attached to it, when love is the, the, where it's coming from, do you know what? There has a power to change and transform. I never enjoy discipline from my, my mom or my dad, but especially I didn't enjoy discipline from my dad. I, I don't know if you have a similar thought process, but I, 
My dad, I, it was one thing to get mom all riled up. It was another thing to get dad upset. And I don't know if I've told you this story, but I remember I was dating Donna. Have I told you the story? I was dating Donna and uh, I had a curfew. I had to be in at what, 11.30 or 12. We lived about 30 minutes apart and I pushed that curfew by at least an hour. And it was winter time. And so my dad was thinking either he's somewhere trapped in the snow somewhere and I need to go rescue him before he freezes to death or he's really in trouble. And uh, so I got home, I think at 1.30 in the morning. I mean, I was in love. Who wouldn't want to spend time with, with Donna? Anyways, um, <laughs> sorry, this is not two weeks ago message. This is... So here, here I was making my own way home and I got home and, and the lights were on and uh, I got in, I was having a snack, almost two in the morning, spent time with my beautiful girlfriend and uh, my dad came in and, and I thought, oh, that's a bit odd. And so my dad asked the question, he said, Tal, are you, did you have a problem with your car? He's like, no, no, no problem with the car. So you know what time it is? I said, yeah. He said, you're in trouble. And I remember my wings got clipped that week and uh, I was grounded and couldn't do, you know, couldn't see Donna, could, you know. Uh, I, I realized there was a boundary and I could look at the eyes of my dad at that moment. And I knew I crossed the line. He'd been up, he had to go to work at six in the morning the next day. So him being out late at night on a Friday night was not his ideal opportunity. But as a caring dad, he was out looking for me in the snow on the roads in the middle of the night. Meanwhile, I'm off with Donna. Can I just say, I never did that again. That discipline as a teenager, I was probably 17 years old at that time, I needed that discipline from my dad. Him speaking to me. It was in love, with a flare of anger, but it was in love. I knew it was for my good. He knew that if I proceeded in this journey, problems would happen, even in our relationship. We talked about purity a couple weeks ago. Purity is a challenge if you're spending all night with someone. He knew that. And he was challenging me. What's the point? It says we need to do it in love. Secondly, though, we need to also do it in moderation. Discipline is never to disencourage or disempower, but it's to merely give guidance. The third one is consistency. You see, it's not good to have one rule one day with discipline and the next it's okay to do it. There has to be consistency with it. And so again, that's a challenge in parenting especially, but in a church family equally, we, we need to be consistent with, with how we disciple people to become who Jesus calls them to be. These verses say, train a child in the way he should go. The purpose of this training is that our children and youth reach their full potential. You see, it's on our watch that they would be equipped to fulfill their journey. Are you listening? It's on our watch that they be fully equipped to fulfill their journey in the path that they should go. You see, God has a path marked out for them that's unique to them. And it's our role not for them to walk our journey, but for them to walk their journey. And so there's things that we've learned, but they're not to be like us. They're to be what God has called them to be. And so our, our, we have a bat in our hands and we've learned things. And so we pass it on to them from what we've learned up to this point in our journey. And now they're equipped to run their race marked out for them. 
Again, there's a problem, I think, when children or youth have to become something that their parents want them to be, not who God created them to be. They're not living out our dreams. They need to live out their own dreams. But we need to guide them and help them in that. And so when a child is trained by a family and the church family, they've tasted and seen from themselves who God is. They've been instructed. They, 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 they show great, been shown great example. They've been given discipline when needed. They've, they've really become these disciples. And here's the promise. When they are old, they will not turn from it. You see, can I just challenge us in this thought process that it isn't about praying for them once they've veered from the path, but it's praying that they would walk the journey right through. There's something about the saving grace that from childhood right through to adulthood, they don't veer. When they are old, they will not turn from the path marked out for them. They will continue on the journey. Man, this is my prayer for the kids in our church, that they don't need to taste the things of the world to find out that there's a dead end there. That they would never have to go down that road because they've tasted here what is good. They've experienced here what is good. They've, they've seen it here. And as they become their, make their own decisions in life, they know the right path to take because it's clearly marked out for them. And they're equipped to go down that road, the narrow road. Does this make sense? So what's your part? If you're a parent, obviously you've got a big part. But even if you're not a parent, you have a part to play in raising up the kids in this congregation. If this is your church family, you have a part to play. Being that gracious person, loving person. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast at Centre Church. One church, passionately loving God and people in Burgess Hill and Brighton. To get the latest news or for any other information, check out our website at www.centrechurch.uk.